What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. We've been away for a few weeks, and uh, some of us have gotten younger. <laughs> not the carpet's not matching the drapes here. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's upsetting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but today we are going to be talking about Deep Space Nine season four, episode fifteen, Bar Association. Uh, yeah, we have to associate with our with our little union here on the show. Uh, if you didn't watch Geekly, Mike is back from his cruise ship. The holidays are done, so we are back here to talk about the show. Mike, uh, very briefly, it, it, sum up your experience. It seems to have 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 darkened things. Yeah, you know, I was being a rock star for a few weeks, which also just accounts to like seeing some great places, but also being very very bored. I spent the majority, this this will hearten our audience, I spent the majority of our time trying, of my time on board, trying to use a travel router and a VPN to fool the ship's internal network in order mm -hmm. to letting me get my stuff back here and stream all of my shows. And I was relatively successful, I would say. So that's what I did, I'm back. Christmas has been put away to Jen's chagrin, to my absolute OCD heaven. It's empty mm -hmm. in the office, and to be honest, it didn't quite feel like home until just now, and I'm sitting in the captain's chair, ready mm -hmm. to talk about Deep Space Night. Watching it the other night was wonderful. It's like coming home to friends. Can't wait to talk about it. It's It's been so long. I, we were both like, how do we do this show? What is this show? How do we do this? But I have missed it. Mm -hmm. I have missed uh, talking about Deep Space Nine, and so uh, we are back. We are ready to go. It's going to be fun. Uh, we have a fun episode to talk about, but before we do, mm -hmm. we have to uh, put in our belated viewer ratings for last week's episode, or three weeks ago now. Sons of Moog? This is the Klingon Sons one, Sons right? of Moog, that's okay. right, the Klingon one. Uh, been a while, but here we are. Joshua Cronin gives it an 82. Jason Moe with a 79. JD comes at a 76. Harry Pothead. Not having it. Just not having this you can episode. Count on Harry to tell you what's up, though. That's true. No, like, dude, dude is an honest, bright dude, uh, and uh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna tell you the truth with a sixty. Are you? What are you and, breaking over there? Oh, am I giving you the loop back? Oh, this, this is just me opening up our, our spreadsheet because uh -oh. this is your computer does not like that. It's like no, bloop 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 bloop. Yeah, no, it is not having it. Well. Oh. <laughs> Let me not give you my loop back, so I can have some. I can have some computer privacy here. Yeah, you need your here. own VPN going. <laughs> I need my own VPN, so you don't know when I'm opening stuff. All right, hold on. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh. Now you're not going to hear any beeps and boops. It's going to be amazing. Uh, anyway, we continue. Worf's big old boot shifts comes in with an eighty. And Kevin Miles with a 90. So we had a pretty large discrepancy on last week's episode. Did Jen watch it? Did, did the Chancellor? No, she's behind. In fact, I wanted her to join me on the watch along this week, and she's she's very she's learned from the Keith school of of completionism. She's like, I can't, I can't skip. And I was like, okay, great. Nor should she. Mm -hmm. The Chancellor has a has a responsibility as head as in in the chain of command. Mm -hmm. The Chancellor cannot skip briefings, folks. You know, what, last thing I want to mention to put a point on it. Uh, not last thing. It's one of the first things, in fact. Uh, is mm -hmm. you know, this year you all saw Keith's gift to me uh, with my dear friend Garrick, and also what you didn't see was an inc incredible uh, custom mug that he created for the Chancellor. And she just last night, as she was putting Christmas away, reiterated how much she loved Dropped it. Dropped it? And so I oh, okay. that would have been better. That would have been better. 
so I think officially 100%. She also got sick on the cruise, so that my she gift sure to her was not good. So it turns out, Keith, hold on. Keith won Christmas. Oh my God. Keith won Christmas. Wow. Right, I didn't even know I was competing, but uh, I, I, I'll always take a victory. Mm -hmm. Which uh, also, if you miss it on on Candom Geekly, uh, however, Mike and Deglio won my fantasy football league this year. Trophy arrives uh, on next Wednesday, so hopefully it'll get here sooner. But well, I mean, and to be fair, uh, in the uh, forty-eight hours he's owned the title, he's mm -hmm. only texted me about the money three times. So, well, I mean. Uh, have you met me? I need it. <laughs> I'm very broke now. No, I, got, I also bought that trophy, which is relatively cheap, I thought. I thought it was like $22 or something, right? Yeah, did you buy the same one that I do? The 7-inch guy? The little football? Uh, Yeah, the little football. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got one of those and like another variation for the other league, but yeah. Yeah, well, God, very we cool. just giant nerds. I mean, I think... We're four seasons into a, an extended review of Star Trek. I think the nerd ship has sailed. Uh, I have I to. I have to tell guys get ready for it. Keith and I have not oh, audited in a while, so we're gonna be chatting a lot. So I hope you dig it. We haven't talked in a while. Yeah. So, you know, I love the channel. We love the patrons. This is no disrespect, but I would uh -oh, say we have, we, a, we have like a smaller community on YouTube, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, I think you would agree to that. It's, very, it's a niche market. <laughs> Compared to other Star Trek yes. podcasts, absolutely, yeah. But anyway, my brother, who you've met on Geekly, my brother Nick, great, great guy, he's kind of like bored right now, so he's like, in, he has ideas for things he wants to do, like contents and he projects sure does. or whatever, and yep. uh, he was hitting Keith up, he's like, maybe we could, I could like, he, he's like, I could partner in and we could like do some stuff, and I was like, just as a reminder, man, if you're trying to product launch, I'm not sure this is where you're coming, but I guess anything's possible. I mean, hey, you know, we've, I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it one more time. If you notice no difference in your traffic, mm -hmm. you've gotten the K&M bump. Yep, so, that is uh, true. That is true. <laughs> I mean, I think it speaks to both, like, wild ambition. He wants to do this crazy thing, but also uh, an absolute ability to undercut yourself and self-sabotage by involving us. Yep. So, well, it's my whole. The only big change for me as a small brother is that I used to be like, I guess I'll do whatever you want as an older, as a, and now I'm just like, yeah, that's a lot of work. Well, look, we this is an opportunity to teach a man to fish. Keith, I love it. There we go. Okay, you've and that become way... such a sage in your elder years. <laughs> I got nothing else. <laughs> Let's talk about Star Trek as old men. Yes, indeed. All right, so we were talking about season four, episode fifteen, Bar Association, uh, which aired on February nineteenth, nineteen ninety six. Man, I miss this. This is fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Which aired? I already told. Said that the top song was. Uh, are you ready? I guess so. One sweet day, Mariah Carey, and Boys One to Men. One sweet day. I still don't know the song. I'm wow. sorry, that was that was painful for everyone. Oh my god, are the mid-Atlantic <laughs> men here? <laughs> oh my god. Uh yeah. We should we should you should definitely throw a clip up on here for mm -hmm. the uh, for the Deep Space Nine fans. Uh mm -hmm. that's really, really fun. The top movie. Uh do you remember what it was last time we did this? It was something that I, it was a Hall of Shamer for me because I hadn't seen it, if I recall. Uh, absolutely. 
from the uh, from the creators of Face Off, Broken Arrow. Yes, I've not seen Broken Arrow. Week two. Oh, we should Broken Arrow. So fun. Face Off. So Face fun. Off. It's a classic. Yeah. Well, Broken Arrow's in that world. Just is it? Is it a shared universe? It's not shared universe, but same director, same John Travolta. But now we've got Howie Long. Oh well, if Howie Long's in it, then I'm good. I mean, come on. All right, let's uh, let's talk about what was on television this night. Okay, well, a couple of interesting tidbits here on this night in television, Keith. You know, a lot of man, just network comedies, uh, all new. Can't Harry Love, Murphy Brown. Ned and Stacy Partners was a show. Melrose Place, Fresh Prince, all brand new. In the House, brand new. Moment of Truth was a movie on NBC. Uh, you're going to talk about Voyager, but here's two interesting things. Mm. There was a one-hour drama on ABC called Second Noah. Do you remember that show, Second Noah? You know what? Like, vaguely? Me too, and I, I'm, now I'm looking it up because I need to... It... It premiered on February 5th, 96. So this was week two of the show. Thanks so much, Jen Jens. Uh, here's our star. So it was. It took place in Tampa, Florida, which is probably why it didn't run very long. No, just kidding. Betsy Brantley, James Marsden. James Mar- a young James Marsden. Marsden played Ricky. No kidding. Ashley Gorell, Zelda Harris, Jeffrey Licken, Erica Page. Not, no, that's Deidre O'Connell was Shirley. Okay, so it was like a fun family thing all right uh, i mean about about the apocalypse i think it was like two families coming together kind of like just just the what was that show called step by step oh it was like a combining oh like, like, like brady bunch i see uh, oh oh i thought it was like the you know like because tampa's gonna be underwater pretty soon anyway like we're absolutely headed towards the second noah uh, forget it we gotta now we gotta know we gotta know what the plot is Oh jeez! <laughs> Way we started, you know what I mean. This the is series what you stars Daniel for, Hugh folks. Kelly as Noah Beckett, whose wife Jessie, played by Betsy Brantley, is a veterinarian at Bush Gardens in Florida. Noah is a former basketball coach who is now a writer working on a second book to be titled The Ark. After his first effort had sold over two million copies, Noah and Jess have a, a tendency to take in both stray animals and stray children, having adopted eight. The iguana star of the series on the cover of the book. People, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we kind of. Piece that together, minus the zoo part. Okay, all right, uh, sure. I mean, boy. And that was followed by, and I was going to pull up a YouTube, but I decided not to, uh, mm -hmm. of a special I remember watching, Keith, in 1996, six on ABC, called World's Funniest Hypnotist. I loved stupid specials like that, where they would like have bring up a bunch of people from the audience and make them act like animals and do all kinds of stupid mm -hmm. crap. Uh, totally not staged and for real hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like a mentalist. Yeah, and right. that's what was on TV. All right. Well, what was what was going on in the world? Oh wait, no, Voyager first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was Voyager doing? It was the episode Death Wish. Uh, Mike, did you know that uh, an old friend from uh, mostly from Next Gen who popped in for one episode of Deep Space Nine also shows up on Voyager? Is it Jonathan Frakes? Uh, he actually does for a hot second. But uh, Q shows hey. up on Voyager. Oh, man, we love Q. So uh, once we get to the Voyager podcast, uh, we'll get to that, that episode. That one's sure to be a hit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, just sort of go in descending order of popularity of, uh, <laughs> of shows. But Did, that one. You didn't think they could go deeper. 
But that one will we'll definitely have Sean pop in sometimes. I actually worked on the show, so that's something. All right, what was going on in the world in the weekly world news headline? I just wrote down COVID because mm. a flu virus will kill 50 million and what you can do to protect you and your family. This is in 1996. A little bit, whew, a little too close to home. You can wear a beekeeper outfit? That would that have done? Man, that would have been better than the masks, huh? Would it have? No, no. Are we still debating this? Isn't it wild? I guess it's not a surprise, but it is wild that we're still debating the whole like COVID thing. And should, uh, uh, meanwhile, I couldn't no, taste my no. coffee this morning. There, there is no debate. There is, there is like political jockeying bullshit. It is, it's not a debate that, that's anymore. Fair. It's just, it's just trolling. It's political trolling. It has nothing to do with actual debate. There, there's not. Anyway, moving on. JFK's secret diaries, the chilling premonition of his own assassination, his long talks with the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, welcome back, Weekly World News. You got me a chuckle, baby. President Clinton pleads for calm. I mean, but hold on. The untold story of his addiction to sex, the Keith Varney story, and much, much more. Wow, I have been been so clean and sober for quite some time. (laughs) You get your chip, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I got all the chips I'm sitting here in the basement surrounded by chips. <laughs> it's like a caramel cookie cake down there. All right. <laughs> Whew. They don't yeah, do cookie huh. cakes, do they? That's ice cream cakes. My uh, joke still stands. It's it's fine. It's fine. I rest my joke. I, I tell you what though, uh, JFK talking to the Lincoln's ghost is a great play. Yeah, it's like a waiting for a Godot sequel. Yeah, I like it. All right. All right, let's get into Bar Association, shall we? Yeah, I think so. All right, so this was directed by... Jordy! Jordy himself, who last directed The Sword of Kalis, and has a teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Ira Stephen Bear with a story uh, by Barbara J. Lee and Jennifer A. Lee. This is their only credit. This was clearly a story pitch. Yeah, it was interesting because two things I noticed at the top and then throughout the episode I'll I'll bring up here and we can look as the screenshots go by. One, it definitely could tell I thought it was a pitch because when it gets to the teleplay by, screenplay by, it took up a full frame of the screen to list all the Mm -hmm. people, which I thought was interesting. And also LeVar Burton, I guess as a vet of the series, clearly wanted to look at things from different angles because we get some setups in this episode that are slightly different than what we're used to seeing usually when we're in like one of the bridges the consoles were always shooting directly behind or directly in front but here Mm -hmm. we're getting some side angles some cross angles some really cool looks from lavar and i guess that's not a small part by just saying look i'm so bored of these shots having been in a million of them i want to have a slightly different viewpoint and i think that's really cool oh for sure and and i think uh especially in episodes that are not action heavy Mm mm-hmm and are not, um, you know, that are set on the station, that are on our existing sets. Um, sort of, it's sort of a bottle episode that you you do want to keep it fresh, keep it moving, make, you know, do something visually interesting. We have a very interesting sort of philosophical thing happening mm-hmm. and, and conceptual political thing. Um, but it's there aren't like aliens running around and no pew pews. It's a, it, it is that type of thing. So it's time to uh, bring your A game in your shot selection. All right, which uh, it means we need to bring our A game to. Don't we talk about the patrons first? No. We don't. Patrons are after. Oh, you're right. Damn it. Now Keith, waste your time. It's been a while. Come on. With <laughs> trivial trivia. Not that 
we get it right when it hasn't been a while. So we've we've never gotten it right. Yeah. That's not that's, you know that that we are consistent at. Mm-hmm. So I, this I thought was really funny. So uh, for the scene where the Nausikins are throwing darts at each other, mm-hmm. they brought in professional dart players James Lomas and Sean McConnell to play the two Nausikins specifically, so they could throw darts at each other safely. It saves on like crotch medical intervention i mean i feel like you could just have a cod piece and protect yourself i mean the nausicans feel like they'd have a cod piece right yeah i guess so you hit so me in the when... nos again <laughs> welcome back from the holidays folks uh thanks for spending your time <laughs> with us now here in the new year 2024 is gonna be a crazy year and this is the way you want to start it yeah. So uh, when the story was originally pitched by sisters, Barbara J. Lee and Jennifer A. Lee, the producers saw it as a possible B story for either Rejoined or Crossfire. Mm. However, after they began trying to insert it into an existing story, they realized it was too rich a subject to be sidelined. So they decided to give it an episode of its own, uh, which I thought was a good idea. This episode is a favorite of Armin Shimmerman because it deals with a subject that is close to his heart, union problems. Shimmerman, ironically, sits on, or at this point, sat on the board of directors of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and is very passionate about labor-related disputes, as many of the Star Trek people were during the SAG strike. Um, gen- uh, um, Jerry Ryan was very uh, prominent on the uh, she, her, her political turnings have been have been really interesting. I, I like her very much. Anyway, uh, also, the phrase spoken by Rom, workers of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains, of course, is a quote from the 1848 book, The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Uh, and JD did, did assign you to make sure that you read all of Karl Marx. I hope you got your reading in on the I did. ship. Yes, yes. I was reading communist manifestos i thought that was an appropriate use of my time excellent well uh actually so interestingly keith as a, mm-hmm. a prebeat i did speak to a lot of young performers who were in the production cast over there and uh now i'm not uh some would say a uh, seasoned enough professional to be handing out uh career advice but i will say this oh yes no, yeah. Would you, you like know. to make it off, 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 off Broadway? Well, yeah, I can't yeah, help you there I, either. But <laughs> no, what I, I can d- get you into Philadelphia. No, no, I can't. <laughs> anyway, so what I did learn though is in international waters, they're able to skirt union protections, and so a lot of these kids, they're no they, laws. They're kids are doing like aerial stunts and flips and contortionist work and hanging from dangles and all kinds of stuff with nary a uh what what do you call it a uh a hazard bump or a a this cover or that cover i mean they are just getting ripped from side to side and i did i did have to say a couple things about the union and 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 stick up for the fact that you know though there's plenty of trouble and sag and equity plenty of it uh at least getting safe working conditions is still paramount and as a performer who makes their livelihood with their physical body you should try to protect Mm -hmm. it yeah well with uh, all the makeup and costuming and stuff happening on the set and a lot of practical effects they use of course it makes sense that the cast of star trek would want to be protected 
Well, a uh, spoiler alert. Uh, this is a union show. Mm-hmm. Mike and I formed a union, mm-hmm. and we're going to strike against uh, against Jen, against yeah. uh, the Chancellor. She doesn't know it's coming, but no. She well, also you know, doesn't you... watch the show, so she probably still doesn't know it's coming. Oh no, of course not. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Both of us have have good union backgrounds. All right. So uh, you know who forms our union, Mike? Who keeps us alive? That's the it's patrons. It's our patrons, keep, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Like, that ellipsis gonna, was for me? Uh, yeah, I was gonna, are you going to pick up this ball I'm just dropped for you? Or, uh, okay. Well, we'd like to thank the following individuals. Bryant, Kimball Biersick, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Joshua Cronin, Peter Bank, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the Mysterious End of the Mysterious Household, Wharfs, Big Old Boot Chips, Charles Babbage, Harry Pothead, CRM Productions, The Bionic, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, YouTube viewer, James Hubbard, JD Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell at CRM, Pat, Joshua Cronin, Jerry D. D. Dillard III, Lutz Kremer, and of course, Wyatt Eldridge. Folks, all kinds of fun stuff going to be happening on the Patreon this year, but most importantly, you get to help this small business stay in play. And all of the things that we make available, including me watching every episode of Deep Space Nine, are available for the low, low price of $1. And in fact, Keith, or more. Or more, please. God. Uh, I will say this. <laughs> just so in case people are thinking that Keith and I are making the millions. We are not. We almost, Keith. I'm going mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do it here. We oh, almost make $100 a month. Okay. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> almost. I mean. We are sitting at $99 a month on the Patreon. Now, some people want to supplement their lives with Patreon, not us. But just like we wanted to cross that 1,000 subscriber mark, I want to hit $100 on Patreon, okay? Just to make, think about that, Keith, $50 a month, we could be, just think of the takeout well, like, we could enjoy with that. Doesn't Patreon take like 40% yeah, 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 of it? <laughs> we need one more, one dollar subscriber, okay? To put us over that bump for 2024, all right? One more, I know, and there are 24 free patrons right now. So one of you has to take the giant leap for mankind. And put mm, us over the edge, mm. and I'm, I'm I'm putting the call out today. You've never listened to me before. Let today be different. Patreon.com/slash KM, join the team. You okay. get nothing extra for being the $100 subscriber, but uh, there, we, there's no tote bag in it for you. No, no, alas. Uh, yeah, well, we definitely owe the patrons some some fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, and those posters sure. we promised them about a year ago. Oh yeah, no, we're 100 percent going to do that. Totally we need, we need, yeah, it's not. We just need to not be busy. All right, so uh, let us talk about our guest stars for Bar Association. Of course, Max Grodenchik is here as Rom. Uh, huge feature for him. Maybe Chase worst, Mas- he has maybe the worst dental prosthetic to work with, because he had that one snaggle that goes all the way across his mouth. Well, because he didn't have a uni, definitely did not have dental care No. Uh, in the uh, in Quark's bar. Chase Masterson is here as Lita. James Marsden is here as Grimp. Jason Marsden. <laughs> James Marsden's been wow, very busy this week. Yeah. Emilio Borelli as Fruel. And, of course, the legendary Jeffrey Combs is back as Brunt. Uh, it's crazy we still have not met my favorite character of Jeffrey Combs. We saw Brunt before when he was in Moogie's house, right? Because she was. That's little- right. Yeah, okay. That's right. So we 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 have met Brunt of the FCA before. Why can't I get my camera to be good? Because I'm, I'm moving around too much. Uh, but yeah, 
Jeffrey Combs, he's coming. Like this season, this season we're gonna we're gonna meet my favorite Jeffrey Combs character, one of okay. my favorite characters in all of Deep Space Nine. Uh, so going to be fun. But uh, before we do that, we got to talk about this episode. Why don't we hop into the screening room, Mike? Still going. <laughs> Still going. Still going. Well, it's a it's a mic bumper. Here's the bumper bumper. Yeah, well, now I can help a little you bit out. more. I can help you out now. Okay, here we go. All right. Oh, yeah. what, what's 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 going oh, on? What's happening? Of, well, you should clearly change your setup because all my stuff you, is messed up. You, you can't you can't look behind the curtain. All right. So uh, we begin bar association with Worf and Dax returning from a mission on the Defiant in the Gamma Quadrant. Still flirting. Still flirting. Just uh, you know, just just feeling little sparks fly there. That's gonna be fun. In Quarks, we see Lita again for the first time since she was introduced as one of Dax's best friends, and then we didn't see her again for a very long time. But uh, Bashir and O'Brien enter all dressed up as Vikings this time, mm. heading towards the Hollow Suite. You know, Jason and- Moe of the patrons who was watching along was saying that he wished we could see some of these actual <clears throat> holodeck uh, programs that they're always entering with their funny costumes. I actually have grown to think it's better that we don't. It. The pre-site gags are actually really funny to me. I I think it's really fun. Um, but the, pro, the the thing is, like, we couldn't really do it. Obviously, we don't have the money to do that sort of a thing. And I wouldn't want to see it half-assed. Right. If they're gonna do it. I want to see it like for realsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, but, I, but 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 here's where you know Trek gone Trek, and maybe this is a wormhole. I, I thought that the costumes were manifested within the holodeck. Why do we have to be dressed up like that thing? Ah, uh, because the minute you walk out of the holodeck, you're holo dropping your trow. But if I walked in wearing like my my normal gear, wouldn't it like holodeck me a costume and I could just be in my normal gear afterwards? To put a costume on top of your costume? I mean, technically you could. So it's not I thought but, but the it costume would be weird. that is digitalized on top of me, no? It has to be real. Well, I mean, I suppose it, it could be, but you'd have to but like then you'd have clothes on top of clothes. Like you have a you put oh, a costume you on top of your stuff. suit. It's not like VR, right? You can feel the thing. No, no, you, it, it's it's very tactile. It's very okay. much, very much real. So you'd be like, you know, when when you as the seasoned performer go out as a member of a uh, of a, a transatlantic boy band, <laughs> you didn't you didn't put your uh, uh-huh. your your zoot suit on top of your regular clothes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that would just be a zoot suit riot. All right, moving on. Oh, too much. All right, so uh, we do establish here that Bashir and Lita still, still banging. So For now, uh, that's although a, there could be maybe some other sparks flying. But we'll, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so Quark is distressed by how quiet the bar is. Only Morn is there because the Bajorans are celebrating their version of Lent or Ramadan. Always cleansing those Bajorans. They are so clean. They are the cleanest people out there. So, uh, Rom is making a potion to help with an ear infection. He's in pain, and Lita is concerned. Then he passes out, and Quark announces that he's docking Rom's pay. That's a hilarious screenshot. Also, I, you know, I thought about the the makeup department when he 
drops that so water I. into the ear. I was like, oh, oh man, they did not like seeing that in the or script. Or they built a, like, had to build, I bet you they built, like, a plastic receptacle they shoved in there. Yeah, it got, got a little little thing there, yeah. I love that Lita, oh. the Lita character, whenever she shows up, they just play it like she's in every episode. Like, no, there's no acknowledgement that, like, oh, hey, we just, like, guest star her in. She just pretends like she's a season cast uh, regular. She's always just off camera. Lita is always there just off camera. So uh, both of our cats are causing all sorts of trouble, as always. It's part of the show. I had to go and buy, I literally had to go and buy a brand new computer case and re-put all of my crap inside my computer into a new computer case just so that the cat couldn't turn it off anymore. Did you really do all of that? I did, because I just couldn't come up with a solution he couldn't outthink. I would try to tape it. I tried to cover it. I tried to do all the stuff to the power button, and he found a way. So I you, had to... you need one of those plastic cases for like over the nuclear button. Yeah, that's a good Put point. Or I was like, I could just get a new computer case, so I did that. You just wanted a new computer case. No, I'd man the pain in the ass to move all that stuff. If I was getting a new computer and new guts, then yeah, it'd be fun. But just to transfer from one to the other sucks. You don't need new guts. You're running a space shuttle over there. I know. I, right. I didn't get new guts. The, right, the point well, of the story was the cat, Keith. Okay, all right, here we go. So, <laughs> in Act 1, Bashir inspects Rom's ear. He's had an ear infection for three weeks and never got it healed. If you got ear infections as a kid, you know, that is not a fun time. There's that jaggy tooth. At least there's a space for it up top so he can actually speak, but... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the amount of speaking he has to do in this episode through those prosthetic teeth... I mean, he should get an Emmy just for being intelligible. Do you think as an actor, I guess the answer is yes, you would probably run your lines in your trailer with the teeth in, right? Just to kind of... Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, to to enunciate all of the stuff he has to do, uh, it's it's a remarkable feat of acting. Do you think they kept those? To... Like, of, of the things you probably want to keep or steal from set, do you think they got to keep their prosthetic dentals? <clears throat> I bet, because it, you know... The, Molded it, for them. They took molds. I mean, they're not going to give it to somebody else, so... I would imagine, but who knows? Power, Paramount keeps everything, yeah. so uh, they well they auction it off eventually. So uh, anyway, he uh, didn't get it checked. I didn't go to the doctor because it's a violation of his employee contract with Quark. There's no sick time or vacation for Ferengis, and uh, it's a standard Ferengi contract. That's just how it works. Bashir suggests kicking off our episode, forming a union. And Rom gives the classic line, you don't understand. Ferengi workers don't want to stop the exploitation. We want to find out how the way to become the exploiters. I think pretty much summing up half of our political landscape. Yeah. Uh, so Lita is happy that Rom is back. And <laughs> he explains that he gave himself an ear infection from jerking off his ear balls too much. I mean, to put it uh, lightly, yeah. Yeah, and the, the the scene goes like this. He, he's, I got it from too much Umox. And Lita says, really? Who's the lucky female? Rom's assuming it would be female. You don't know. Rom says, no female, just me. Lita says, appropriately, I'm sorry. Rom says, sorry enough to do something about it? Lita, I don't think Julian would approve. Rom, swinging for the fences like Mike and Natalie Portman. We could ask him. Uh, good, good for Ron. At least he's showing some balls of the non-ear variety. 
Uh, and it's a hilarious take from Max there. I really liked it. So Quark comes in and announces that the bar is losing money during the holiday. And he says, everyone here is going to get a huge pay cut or half of you are fired. When Rom complains, Quark tells him to concentrate on keeping his hands off his lobes and that the pay cuts just might stick around. You're not... Oh, go ahead. So, legit discussion here. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that the Ferengis that work for Quark would be, I don't want to say on board, but less offended by the... Come on, bud. This is getting crazy. It's like he has no... He either doesn't give a shit of the boundaries I'm drawing or cannot mm -hmm. comprehend them. Like a dog it's eventually, probably, but like, okay, I'm not supposed to go there. I mean, it's probably a good, good piece of both. Yeah. So, anyway, the, yes, the, but but the Bajorans that work there, you'd think they could probably work somewhere else, right? Unless the tips are really good for Dabo girls or... I believe you, we, we, you talked where this is like a society where money's not really that important. So does it matter how much we're getting paid? Uh, only in the Federation is money not important. Everywhere else in the universe, money is very important. Hmm, so it's like, it's, it's, so for the Dabo girls, you would think, well, I guess if you Dabo girl, you got a Dabo girl, right? Like that's what you do. I mean, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's just like anything else, right? Like it's, you know, people... Aren't there any, like, Dabo Girl bars that aren't Ferengi? But I guess not the successful on ones are Ferengi because they know how to cut costs. Mm. Well, and but but not on Deep Space Nine, yeah. right? There's, you, you don't have... He has a monopoly on uh, on bar and casino. Yeah, which and makes sense. And we wanna... learn some information from Ben later, which I have strong feelings about. So we'll get there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, so uh, he, he says to Rom very pointedly, you're not my brother in business, and employees have no right to question business decisions. Meanwhile, Worf and Dax have been practicing their Klingon swordplay while flirting, and they hear a bump in the air vents. And uh, out pops the same guy who's always been stealing things on the show. Remember he stole mm -hmm. Laxana's brooch yep. many episodes ago? And uh, he's been cat burgling, including in Worf's quarters. Trivia question for Mike. He stole Worf's tooth sharpener. Uh -huh. Where did he get the tooth sharpener? Didn't he get it uh, when they were auctioning off somebody, one of the dead Ferengi's things? Because that was something that they got from Moogie's house, wasn't it? Or am I conflating tooth sharpeners? You, uh... Yeah, you are, but but that was, that was close. Oh, wait, when, when was, Nog was going off to the Academy? There you go. You got it from Nog. So, but once again, folks, uh, Worf's suite was getting broken into when, or I'm sorry, Odo's suite was getting broken into when Dax was just like playing some gags, moving stuff mm -hmm. around. Now we got a cat burglar, cat burglaring. Odo, what are you doing? What, I mean, like, uh, granted, there's like a big threat to the galaxy and your security efforts are, are focused there, but... I don't know. Locks? They have locks. We have locks in our universe, and stuff gets stolen all the time, too. Mm, I don't like it, man. Well, neither does Worf, because he's furious. And he confronts point. Odo about the lax security on the station, saying, this didn't happen on the Enterprise. Odo, insanely prepared for this. He already has the pad on his desk, with a list of all the times that the Enterprise was easily duped or taken over by dum-dums. Uh, 
which is like must be the Easter egg of all Easter eggs for like longtime fans. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean the the security on the Enterprise, terrible. Mm -hmm. They, I think that the I. And you think what it's so bright count. there that uh, you know they'd be able to see the burglaring, but. I mean, I think they get taken over like at least once a season on Next Gen, and uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Worf backs down, but says I mean, he's is, irritated. Yeah, he should be irritated. He got robbed. He got he got robbed, but like, look, we've lived you know we lived in New York for twenty years. We all got robbed at some point. There's That's true. there's if I there's only in, so much you can I do. Like, I got burglar. Would they take my toothbrush? I'd be like, oh, okay, okay. I, you I guess they were needy. I mean, no, you know they're gonna do some weird sex thing on the internet with it, but like, it's fair. That's a good point. It, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, you know, Odo's point, and I and I think pushing back against your objection here is. All right, so post 9-11, right, at the airport. Oh, we need the objection bumper from back in the old days. Oh, we do. Do we still have that somewhere? I'm sure. Okay. Uh, it was too loud. It was always too loud. It was loud, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, even post 9-11, where we locked the airports down, like, you would not believe machine guns everywhere, stuff still happens. There's still, you know, there's still crime. And that there's nothing you can do to guarantee that people are going to steal stuff, because yeah, that, right. there's there's always an arms race between the locks and the lock pickers. There's all of that, so there's no way to guarantee, especially in an open port mm -hmm. like Odo has, that you're not going to have crime. Okay, just saying. So meanwhile, Rom has assembled the entire staff of Quarks into a four he by three a, aspect ratio box. Into a four by three aspect ratio, they're practically climbing on themselves, and uh, Rom uh, he's he's got a plan to battle Quark. He's going to form a he can barely say it a union, and uh, who is there for it? Lita is here for it. So. Uh, <laughs> in Act 2, the Ferengis are not. Unions are illegal for Ferengis. And uh, they're afraid that the FCA, the Ferengi Commerce Authority, is going to liquidate all of their assets. Yes, that that Lita. Hold on. Uh, this We usually do stuff like this, and then now it needs to happen. All right, there you go. Okay. Thanks. We should have her pop up behind you. We we can't have a have a cropped bottom. Put her behind your thingy so she's sticking All out. All right. We got to do it the way we got to do it. We, yeah. I mean, we got to have clean edges, buddy. We can't have. I apologize. We're we're not animals. <laughs> well, <laughs> some would beg to differ. Okay. There we go. Ah, <clears throat> oh, there we go. So yeah, I mean, that leader would have been very useful in this mm -hmm. situation. Just as fiery. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Just as there for it. This Lita is, you know, I was thinking during the episode, this, our Lita in our universe is a little less moon salty than she should be. <laughs> she should be more moon salty? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Well, you know, she's uh, she's still finding her edge. Yeah, good. Well done, man. Yeah, you like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So, uh, anyway, the Frankies are like, uh, unions are illegal. We could have all of our assets liquidated. And uh, we're already screwed just because you said the word. So Rom says, hey, if we're going to go down, let's give him a reason. And he gives a rousing pro-union speech through those prosthetic teeth and gets everybody in and firing. 
But then we go to the infirmary, and O'Brien is complaining about a cyst. What type of cyst, Mike? Do you remember? A sub... A sub... sub, sub. That's pretty good. A sebaceous cyst. I, I actually thought... You, I, I'm, I'm impressed you got that close. When uh, Ron Rom comes in asking for advice on forming a union. Well, luckily, you've come to the right person. O'Brien is thrilled because, of course, he's a union man. And he tells the story of an 11-month strike his ancestors In the turn led. of the century, 1904. Yes, yes, way back when. Uh, and he says, look, you're going to need to strike. And uh, his ancestor's strike was successful. However, he was murdered leading it, was shot 34 times. Uh, Mike, I, I, do you remember that uh, my mother was a very famous striker in Vermont back in the day? No, I remember your grandfather being a civil rights leader, but... Uh, he certainly was. I, I, I did forgot about uh, patron of the show, your mom. Yes. Tell me more. So, so uh, this was in Heinsburg, Vermont, back in the 80s. I was like six or seven at this point, And she was a public school teacher. And they had to strike because uh, they were being horrible or whatever. And uh, so they struck for more than a year and they fired everybody and replaced them. And so there were only, I, th I think they fired everybody. I don't remember exactly, but I, I do remember that they were, they went on for so long and it was so high profile that they were named the Heinsberg 28. And there were 28 of them striking for all this time. 29 of them, Keith. 29. You might not oh, know this, but it made the front page of the New York Times. And by front page, I mean not at all the front page. It was on section one, page 37. Nonetheless, teacher strike splits Vermont town. They were called the the Heinsberg 29. 29. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I still remember the head of the school board. Her name was Rita Villa. Uh, anyway, what so... A great villain name. I know, right? So my, my mother actually started working in another district for a year um, until they got that. They won, and uh, they, they all got their jobs back, although many of them did not return at that point. So they ended up having to work with some of the scabs that broke the union lines. Oh, but wow. I remember um, I remember marching in that in, the, in that picket line. Oh yeah. I don't think that's the that's that's from much later. That's not from then. Well I just picked a picture. Oh okay. Um, well, well I gave it a none, go. nonetheless, uh, I absolutely remember marching in that picket line and the, the my sandwich board line was was so long that I tripped over it going up the stairs and I dropped my orange soda. Disaster. The biggest disaster of the whole thing is I dropped my orange soda, which was, it was so long ago, it was in a glass bottle. I oh, remember did it. Did it shatter? I don't think it shattered, but I did lose some of my precious, precious You know what else soda. didn't shatter, Keith? The union. That? It sure as hell did not. Uh, and subsequently, my father was a union negotiator. So, uh, Strong union ties over here. Although, to be fair, I never joined equity. <laughs> so, well, you know what? You can do it. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, but you know, I, 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 I will if I need to. Uh, I sort of retired right when they offered me the job. So, yeah, well, anyway, you're not going to use them, you know. But I mean? well, that was the thought. Yeah. So, anyway, well, later. More importantly, way to go, mom. Way to go. Way to go, mom and dad. They fought and dad. hard. And, and grandpa. And what, a great, what a cool family, man. 
Yeah, well, you know, we we have. Uh, well, I come from strong progressive ilk. Well, my up dad in was the, in the, mob, uh, the North Country. You know, very pro that's true. Very pro union. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah. In a way, in their own way, <laughs> in, in a very specific way. <laughs> <laughs> you can see, like, but honestly, like, I think that that dichotomy there uh-huh. does explain so much of our dichotomy. <laughs> yes, it does. Sure does. It, like. Like, if you really want to understand Keith and Mike's dynamic, mm-hmm. I was raised by those people, he was raised mm-hmm. by that person. And somehow, both of our terrible life decisions have led us here, here yeah. to this what moment. What was my mom doing at the time? Being annoyed by it all, I'm sure. Yeah, fair enough. Whew. So later, <laughs> we're never going to finish this episode. Nope. So later on Ops, Worf also complains to O'Brien about the Cardassian Bajoran time Federation. Out. Yes. Uh... Totally, my opinion, missed comedic beat here is the second, like, you know, O'Brien riles up Rom there and then he walks out and Bashir says something like, oh, I didn't know that about your ancestor. And, and O'Brien goes, nah, I made it up. Like, that it's totally all BS <laughs> because it's so rah-rah for Rom. I thought that was a good, would have been a good comedic beat. That would have been funny, but we know O'Brien's in union, yeah, man. we know, we know. It would have broken canon. To the point where they get in a brawl, which is, we'll get there. Hilarious. So, uh, Worf complains to O'Brien about the Cardassian Bajoran Federation tech breaking down all the time. And O'Brien says, oh, thank God, because I was so bored standing in the transporter room endlessly waiting to transport somebody or fix something on the Enterprise. Uh, source of many memes. Everybody's wondering, there's no chair. Mm-hmm. You just stood there just waiting. They only beamed somebody like once a day. This just, like beat, eight hours this beat stood spoke there. to me, Keith, and made me think of you, actually, because... I thought of how many times in our lives, like, so Keith and I find ourselves in situations, whether we're living together or we're doing a project or I'm helping him with a project or vice versa or whatnot, where, like, we both share this thing, and maybe many of our viewers do too, where it's like there are boxes and crates somewhere in our apartment or house right now that's just full of wires, random wires, mm. antiquated wires, things Endless. we probably don't need anymore. Because when push comes to shove and we need to fashion some sort of uh, makeshift thingamajig to get this thing into that thing we know we're covered and i this o'brien gave me those vibes right here oh absolutely and it's fun yeah 100 that's the point like it's it's always fun you're like oh wait what do you need when anybody calls and like hey could you help me hook a shoebity 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 do a shoebity shoebity i'm always like i'll be there in a minute always got a duffel bag of wires yeah absolutely hey do we need like a like an old scuzzy drive adapted to an hdmi (laughs) hold on i have six things that can get me to that point you got a five and and a quarter uh, floppy i'm the guy yeah uh (laughs) on a good day (laughs) (laughs) yes oh i don't have a sound effect for that thank god all right (laughs) no it's more yeah great so, oh, Brian, oh, God, I apologize, world. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. We haven't. <laughs> O'Brien says, this station needs me, leading to Worf's obvious internal question, does the station need me? Oh, Worf. Worf. Then Quark returns to his bar to find his entire workforce standing together. Rom announces they have started a union, and Quark laughs in his face. So... Naturally, Rom announces a strike. Worf, Worf, Quark continues laughing, but they all walk out in mass. 
So in Act Three, did we talk about like how many unique, rad, Ferengi costumes that they build? I mean, every one of them is awesome. Yeah, I mean the Ferengis are a lot of work. Yeah, man. Because you've got to build the prosthetics. As well as all of these crazy costumes. I imagine the um, headpieces fit pretty... That's more of like a helmet scenario, but like the faces all have to be individually latexed, right? Yeah, the way it, the way it works is that the, the ear... The, the entire forehead, the entire head, and the ears, and the nose are all one piece. Mm. And the rest of it is just their face, but they put in uh, teeth prosthetics. So but it's a whole thing, yeah. and that has to be sculpted for the person. You can't just hand out these things to other people. Mm-hmm. Plus, that like that yellow alien lady is really impressive as mm-hmm. well. Yep, they really uh, went for it with his employees this week. They did. The only thing you you'll notice uh, if you're looking carefully, only the hero Ferengis have prosthetic teeth. There's one shot where uh, one of the background ones clearly has human teeth. Interesting. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't notice that. It makes sense, though. See, well, uh, we'll see if we find I mentioned it in the uh, in the recap here, so we'll see. So uh, the picket line is in full force outside Quark's. Uh, those of us who have walked in a picket line know what that's like. Uh, and Rom is bribing them not to go in. You know, Keith, is... you and I walked through a picket line once. Do you recall when that was? Together. No. You don't remember? I, I, uh, I, we crossed a picket line? We did. How? Why? You might recall, Keith, you and I performed in a little musical tour once, and if you remember the the lovely human being Fred Phelps and his gatherings decided too oh. many gay people were in it, so they picketed our show, and we had to walk right through it. What? Oh, hold on. Fred Phelps is not a union. He's a fucking monster. Yes, I I, I was hoping that... Maybe I was being facetious and that would be recognized, but uh, yes. But nonetheless, they attempted to pick it to the show. Oh man, uh, I'll pick at them right upside the head. And that I'll never forget. That was, you know, we learned a lot of things about uh, life in my twenties, early twenties. But the seeing those small children just being indoctrinated into hate oh, without God, any it's... choice was really the worst part of that experience. Oh, by far, no. by it, it is. It's truly heartbreaking. They. Uh... They, uh, one of them called my, uh, my grandmother the C word once. Oh, nice. So, cause the, they, they were, uh, my grandparents would go out and, and, uh, and protest them or counter protest them or they'd protest my grand, whatever it is. They, uh, terrible they, people. They got into it. Terrible people. And they, they got into it. Unequivocally. Yeah. 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 So strong, st- <laughs> strong, uh, strong decisions here. The KM comes out strongly against the Westboro Baptist <laughs> Church and those monsters. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, huh, hot takes. <laughs> Lita's got our back, buddy. Lita, oh, yeah, she does. Thank God. So there are only a few people in the bar because no one is crossing the picket line except we're going to find out. And Odo shows up to discover himself talking to a hollow image of Quark. The bar is filled with fake Quarks, but they break down when they're near tricorders or other tech. Odo is naturally unsympathetic. And Quark says, make the picketers leave. They're blocking the entrance and creating a fire hazard. Odo agrees reluctantly. Strikes are trouble. But Cisco has told Odo not to interfere as long as it remains peaceful. Uh, I wonder if you get to that shot. There's a great... Yeah, right here. Perfect. Comp. This is great 
visual effects shot because Odo and Quark are blue screened in the front on the foreground. A second Quark, also blue-greened, walk, uh, blue-screened, walking through, with a third Quark in the background, and a fourth Quark stunt going up the back there. So that's three layers and a fake Quark going up the stairs. Uh, but I thought it's remarkably effective, even in the upscale. Do you know the digital wizardry, the difference? And I haven't Googled it, really. So a generally speaking rule of thumb is in static visual arts... Um, you use green screens, whereas in like moving pictures, it's generally blue. Do you know the difference between like why that is by any chance? The chroma. I of it? I I do not think it actually makes a difference. I, I because I, I've seen green and blue used interchangeably. I think it has more to do with like what colors do you have in your costume? Oh, that makes sense. So yeah. because there's green in Quark's costume here, I'm sure it was blue. Right. Um, well, that makes I, sense. You know. And I think they picked those two colors because they are the least used colors for clothes. That makes sense, yeah. This is my understanding of that. But, you know, I say that with a great deal of confidence and very little knowledge. Mm -hmm. So somebody correct me. Uh, Anyway, thought that was an amazing composite shot there. Um, Great work by the visual effects there. And an interesting bit of writing. Yeah, because you figure they're like, oh, let's just, you know, what would Quark do? Oh, he was just man it with his own robots. And then we need to techno babble our way out of why he wouldn't just do that and save costs all the time. And so I thought they had a cool sort of tech answer for it. And a cute idea because he doesn't just populate with fake waiters. They're all him. Yeah, that's the narcissism (laughs) is great. It's it's hilarious. So uh, on the promenade, Bashir and O'Brien debate which customers will cross the picket line. The the Vulcan does not, of course, but the Packlids go right in. They do not support labor have you seen the packlet episode of next gen i don't think so make us go we sh- <laughs> i'm is- gonna cut that out that's a new uh that's the new i am dude uh yeah dude <laughs> make well, us go make us go right. uh yeah definitely we should watch that at some point because Every time you see a packlet, everyone who has seen that episode is like laughing their asses off, but you don't even know what that means. No. So we'll, we'll do that at some point. But then they are shocked to see Worf go in. And uh, not sure why. That's the but, thing, oh, right? They have a whole yeah. brawl about it and they don't ever give Worf side of it. Right, yeah. So, they, so O'Brien isn't having it and we cut to the three of them in the brig. Bashir has even been bloodied, and Cisco is pissed because they literally fought. But you're right; we never, like, like Worf never explains why. Clearly, so I, well, I, I could have easily bought that. Oh, he just wanted a drink, and he's been having a shitty day, so he, he just like went to get a drink and didn't give a shit. But clearly, it came to blows, so he clearly felt strongly about something. But we don't even get to hear the argument. Well, I, I feel like Worf is, Worf is like a libertarian. Mm. He just doesn't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. But libertarians I mean, wouldn't like get in a fist fight about it. Sure they would. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Are you are you kidding? Libertarians don't even get me started. Uh anyway, so um So uh Cisco is pissed. And he says uh go he goes and tries to broker a settlement, but leaves the three of them in the brig overnight. Which seems fair. 
It feels like the, the punishment fits the crime. Have to make them sit with each other that whole time. So in his office, Cisco tries to pressure Quark to settle the strike. And Quark says, according to Federation law, or according to Federation, according to Ferengi law, I'm not even allowed to talk to stri- to strikers. Um, which is interesting because, like, it is the law for Ferengis. But uh, Cisco doesn't care. He says, then pay the five years in rent we never charged you uh, or settle this. So you, you had thoughts about this? I do. It's, and it's, I'm going to preemptive my wormhole, okay? Because <clears throat> okay. it's like an episode wormhole, but also like Deep Space Nine wormhole. We've talked about it before, mm-hmm. so I won't belabor it. What is the get-out-of-jail-free card that Quark has and why? He's been convicted of crimes. He's done espionage. He's done almost murder. He's done tons of crap, right? And so not only do we let him off the hook all the time, all right, but clearly, and we've had, Odo's had all kinds of problems with his business dealings and all kinds of backdoor crap happening at the bar. Like it's it's a sketchy place. And then we come to find out they're not even charging him rent or any of this, like they're just letting him run rent, roughshod for free over there? Like what is the quid pro quo here? I, I'm not right, quite well, getting it. Well, half, half of that I can explain easily. The other one's a little hard. The, the the not paying rent, that was the deal they made in Emissary, in the pilot. And that and in and, and Cisco wanted Quark there to establish this as a place where people yeah. want to be. Rest in R and R. Yeah. And so it well, but also it legitimizes the station because when when they stepped on it, it was like this bombed out empty wasteland that everybody was fleeing because they were afraid. It's like Atlantic City before uh, casinos. Yeah, exactly. And it now. was it was like, we're trying to establish this as a real place that's safe and, and that people want to be here. We're trying to like make this a not a scary place. So it was actually important to establish Deep Space Nine as a place people want to go to. So that's the deal there. Okay, all right. Um, and now that it is, it's sort of grandfathered in, I would imagine. It's sort of like, all right, you helped us get our feet up. And and so there we are. The why do we put up with Quark and all of Quark's crimes? I think, I think it's the same reason we put up with with some of Garrick's Garrick, stuff. Yeah. That that possible back he's, channel. He, he's a problem, but he's also a, a solution for when you need to solve things that the Federation way doesn't allow you to. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like it's it's a it's a tool that you can do the do the wink wink. Mm-hmm. And not have to break your own laws and ethics because you have somebody who exists outside of those rules to get shit done. Well, then, I, it, the, in, in, then through that lens, it actually is pretty balls badass of Ben here because, once again, very unpicard like He's willing to sort of uh, bend. Full on extort. Yeah, yeah, really. To get... To keep, to keep, he has his own check and balance system with his morality with Quark and with certain situations. Yeah, well, and he also understands that Quark, it, 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 like Picard, would try to use logic, right, and try to talk him into it. Cisco knows Quark doesn't work that way. He works with leverage, mm-hmm. and so it's logic versus leverage, and he knows which lever to pull. And and for Quark, this is it. This is yep. this is what will motivate him. It's, I think it's good good leadership. So uh, Quark agrees to go talk to Rom. 
When we find Rom in a nest of pads working feverishly, once again, we were able to invent the iPad 20 years early, but could not conceive of opening more than one file on one at a time. Well, it's like if an iPad and a Kindle had a menage a trois with a Game Boy. And they're getting like thicker and thicker mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to thinner. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I understand, like, visually you need to, like, show, like, he's buried in papers, and we don't have papers, but it's pretty fun. It's the akin to, like, the lawyer scene where you walk in and they've got 37 right. Bibles open, and you're like, I don't, nobody researches like that, but okay. Do you, uh, do you, okay, let's, we, we spent eight seasons on a, uh, on a lawyer show watching research. In, in Mike's head canon. Are, are, is Lindsay Dole sitting there in a nest of Bibles? Well, I just meant like the thickness of, like the to- a tome. I should have said tomes, but it's not what came to the mind. <laughs> it's, only, it's only Bibles. Oh my God, Exodus says all this about the murder case. Noah said this. That's hilarious. So uh, anyway, Quark offers Rom a bribe to end the strike. Rom, of course, says no dice. Quark then tries to appeal to his sense of family. But of course, Rom turns it around and points out, there we go. Oh, season one, the practice. Look at that. Wow, we're, we're just, <laughs> just, just keep sprouting out new uh, characters <laughs> from the 90s. Great. Uh, Quark tries to appeal to Rom's sense of family. But of course, Rom turns it around and points out that Quark just said, we're not family in business. And he then starts speaking various labor slogans. Later, Quark returns to his bar to discover, uh-oh, Liquidator Brunt, who only shows up in, at the end of Act 3. Not only is he there, but he is there with two Nausicans. He has been sent by the FCA to end the strike by any means necessary. In Act 4, the strikers celebrate their success they know that Quark is going to have to settle or go out of business. And this is where I noticed the background Ferengi having normal human teeth and realized I'm what, excuse me, watching this far too closely. Then Brunt enters with the Nausicans and the Ferengis panic. Brunt says, if this was Ferenginar, I'd have you all taken to the spire of the Tower of Commerce, displayed to the crowds in the great marketplace, then shoved off one by one. Small children would bet on where you would land, and your spattered remains would be sold as feed mulch for gree worms. Another amazing line he had to say through those prosthetic teeth. Um, But you do get the sense here that the punishment for these things on Ferengan are uh, not as comedic as the rest of the Ferengis. What is happening? <laughs> Don't they look like uh, Kiss? Oh, yeah, they do look like Kiss a little bit, yeah. Uh, the Nausicans. Anyway. And I guess Predator, right? Predator, very much yeah. Predator. Uh, so uh, it's pretty dire, but he offers them forgiveness if they end the strike. But if they don't, we're going to take all of your money and property. But, and that, you know, that Ferengi panics. But Mm -hmm. of course, Rom is there with another inspirational speech. We're waiters in Quarks, so we don't have any money or property for the FCA to steal. I mean, you know, it's like actors. 
<laughs> we don't have anything. You know, take everything. We don't have anything. Okay, cool. Rejuvenated, the strikers retake their positions. Then Worf goes up and apologizes to O'Brien. He admits he's unsettled by being on the station, and he's got a solution. He's going to live on the Defiant. But you'll be living out there all by yourself. And Dorn's take on I know is priceless. Dorn is so good. His comedic beats with Worf. When, so two weeks ago, a week ago, when I was like, wait, why is she sleeping like that? And you said there's no there's no beds. That wasn't the Defiant. That was clearly just a transport shuttle. Why was she sleeping? Uh, was this on, on Ducat's ship? No, it was... I'm trying to think who the two people were. Oh, 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 oh okay. You're thinking the runabout. Yes, the runabout. That wasn't the um, Defiant, okay. Which, yeah, not the Defiant. Uh, although, I think we were corrected. There are beds and sleeping quarters on the runabout, but she uh, she clearly just dozed off where she was. She's one of those people. I, I can't do that. My sister-in-law can do that constantly, but I can't do that. That's like anyway. ballsy of, of Cisco to be like, yeah, you can live on the Defiant. I mean... It's probably not bad for security. Yeah, the Defiant is one of like the you know most sought after that's pieces great, of tech in the world. Like, actually a great why point. not have a Klingon on board? That's a great point. So later, Lita compliments Rom on his leadership skills. Are they vibing? Oh, they're know. vibing. Nope. She's got dinner with Bashir, and she kisses him on the forehead, and he about explodes. <laughs> uh, understandably, yeah, I mean, right. I'm not saying I wouldn't either. Then uh, Quark sneaks up behind Rom. Things are getting real. He's afraid of what Brunt will do. Rom says, you never cared what happened to me before. And Quark says, I always cared about you. I tried to protect you and save you from yourself. How? By telling me I was an idiot my whole life? It's brothers. I had to be tough on you. I was trying to make you a better Ferengi. And Rom says, what you were trying to do was make yourself feel important making me feel dumb and made you made you feel smart. But I'm not dumb, and you're not half as smart as you think you are. Uh, which I thought was a really well-written and well-acted scene. Yeah, and I think uh, storytelling-wise, as far as the giant arc goes, is what's interesting to watch. And I think, clearly, I don't think they started off thinking Rom was going to develop as much as a character. No, we didn't have a name when uh, they started. But it's been cool to see that they've decided Rom and Nog would continue to grow and mm. adapt and to become less Ferengi, I guess, in a way, and become yeah, more sure. well, well-rounded. well Whereas Quark has been fighting against that, and so he is not developing as quick as speed. It's, and that yeah. clear, dis, in my opinion, the decision from the writer's standpoint to have those uh, ascents be at different paces is what keeps this episode from actually being total snooze fest for me because the complaint on its surface would be, we've done this beat before. Like this is a retread of this conflict, but it's it, it's clear here that Rom is moving up, right? He's evolving, yeah. whereas Quark is not really as quickly. Yeah. As quickly. Yeah. Well, and 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 that is the dynamic of their entire relationship, because it's it's the same thing dealing with Moogie, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, that that. Quark is the one stuck in the mud, stuck in his place as the elder sibling, which is in, like basic human existence, right? The, you know, like that is, that is a pattern in real life with one sibling 
trying to hold things together as they were, the other sibling drifting off and moving and individuating in different ways. Um, it's a remarkably like human drama as we as we go through this in the uh, in the Ferengi world. But I thought it was it, these couples. I agree with you. Like these couple scenes at the end between the two of them, where they sort of drop a little bit of all the Ferengi affectation nonsense mm-hmm. and just act out a scene that's a family drama. Right. And I thought it was really, really well done. So later, Brunt and Quark discuss as the Nausicans throw darts at each other. And Brunt says, we need to make an example of someone. And now it's not Rom Brunt is after. It's Quark. And so we begin Act 5 with Quark waking up in the infirmary, having been beaten by the Nausicans. And this is where I I think that the the episode makes that turn, mm-hmm. right? These these two scenes here, because he's not comedically beaten up. He's not like next gen, like, oh, I got a I've got a black eye or whatever. He's almost killed. He's literally almost killed. He's got several broken bones and a punctured lung. Um, so the they do a good job here, of they do a good job of articulating his injuries so that it's yeah. clear. Yeah. And the stakes like quickly escalate here and become like, oh, this isn't comedic anymore. This is actually pretty serious. And I think this is another another way that Deep Space Nine uses more seasoning, goes mm-hmm. a li- cuts a little bit deeper than a lot of other shows. I found myself, you know, it's, it's interesting that you that techno babble in a way can or that tropes that you use to shorthand in an in a series if you have uh, um astute production design, you can actually use it to tell stories. Let me let me tell you what I'm saying. So, you know how we often joke about the trope of I can wave a laser light over it, make it better? Right. Yes, that's shorthand. In many ways, that is sort of like a cop-out, right? It's very much easier to just do stuff with a light beam, and then you don't have to pay money for it. But what that affords you is the opportunity when there are injuries that are greater than a light beam can fix. Like, you need some sort of actual thing on your body to, like, help you in the medical care. Like, in this, clearly something got split, and they needed to, like, physically hold it together. It helps tell the story that this was more than just your average wave it away with a light beam injury and he still got that horrible shiner which they couldn't fix with the wavy light yeah it's cool um yeah it's a it's a real big deal so rom is there waiting for him and you expect rom to show a great deal of concern but he's like too bad it's not gonna work it's uh we've actually seen this a couple times in rom like rom is not without a layer of ruthlessness and he is not always going to be swayed by the things you think he's going to be swayed by well interesting rom i think a lot of roms uh what's the word i'm looking for like uh for lack of a better term man i I really don't want to put it this way but like sort of battered wife syndrome sort of like reflective um uh Shying fear away from of, fear of of conflict, I guess, mm-hmm. is or trigger from that is learned, right? It's like it's he's uh, been oppressed in a way, and so he just behaves that way instinctually. But when he reaches those limits where he decides to stand up for himself, he's he's generally pretty damn 
committed to that. Well, and 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 I think that's the the uncovering of Rom is realizing he is way smarter than we thought he was, and way stronger. He's he's way stronger. He's way tougher. He's he's like he he presents himself as this sort of weak, feckless thing, as a for whatever you know for all sorts of different reasons. But it is not true. This dude is on it. And what this this story te- tells us too, moving forward, and 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 what I love is that it doesn't hit you over the head with it because we don't see Nog in this at all, but no. because of what has happened, we get to see a bit of I think in my opinion, Rom, learning from Nog, and choosing deciding that his life can be more too, which I think is just so brilliant. The flip flop. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's and you know the message there being. Mental, good mental health is every bit as contagious as bad mm-hmm. mental yeah. health. And, and Especially anyone within in a, a family, family can break a cycle. Right? That's right. That's right. And it's, it, it can be just one person taking care of themselves. It is contagious. Mm-hmm. It really is. And it's, it's great. I, I mean, I, I didn't want to be flip about the battered wife thing. Clearly, you know, I don't, I'm not, I have much empathy for that situation. I just couldn't come up with a better turn of phrase. Yeah, well, I think we, I, I think we saw the agony on your face. We we get you. <laughs> I was like, am I going to have to take this out? <laughs> I saw the agony. I saw. I was like, I can't wait to see what horrible thing yeah. he's going to say. Uh, all right. Well, or like a kid puppy, you know, like you when they just instinctively cow. Yeah. 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 So uh, Quark is not going to press charges against the Nausicans because you can't fight the FCA. He wants to settle the strike but he's desperately afraid. Quark is genuinely afraid for Rom. But then he has an idea. Dissolve the Union, and I'll give you everything you want in six months. And this is where you think, oh, okay, there's, there's, there's the compromise, there's the out. But Rom says, nope, do it right now. Make a fake ledger, which is what they end up doing. Love that Rom mm-hmm. held that last little piece there. Yep. So on the Defiant, Worf is moving in, making his bed less comfortable. And you can see that the wood is scraped on the bunk, uh, but we probably couldn't see that in standard definition. But but yeah, you can you can see here that this is these sets are made of out of uh, two by fours and plywood, <laughs> painted to look like metal. Uh, which is funny because you think like, oh man, I'd be on the set. It's just two by fours. But uh, anyway, Dax is there, and uh, she's made Worf a mixtape of Klingon opera, and Worf appreciates it. And so uh, many vibes she tells, around the ship these days. Yeah, boy, we're feeling a little, uh, a little frisky. What is uh, is Loaxana going through menopause again, making everybody flirty? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyway, she uh, tells him, you know what? You're still going to have to get used to the station and adapt, even if you live on the Defiant. And he has the best wharf line of the episode. Maybe the station and everyone in it is going to have to adapt to me. Yeah, yeah, that is some, that is some dropping some Klingon mm-hmm. right there. Later, Quarks is hopping again. Everybody is happy with their raises. And Rom comes in. And uh, Quark tries to send him to work, but he's like, I no longer work for you. I'm just a customer. He has joined the Bajoran engineering team. He's working junior grade night shift, but he couldn't be happier. 
for lots of different realize. And he's realized that, uh, lots of different reasons. He's realized that he does better when Quark isn't around. He is individuating from his brother and demands snail juice while the extra behind him tries to draw as much focus <laughs> as possible. And we uh, we see here, Rom, it's moving on. And uh, that is what we call... some feelings about it. Quark is, well, but even in that picture there, I think Quark is both annoyed and probably a little proud. Oh, I'm sure. 100%. It's a it's a very interesting way. And uh, hey, writers of other shows, that's character development. Ooh, shots fired. Keith Varney. Yeah. Hot takes. Yeah, there it is. Uh, you should try it. It's good. All right. Let us uh, develop some of our character in a little segment we call... <clears throat> Hope we caught my old man noise in there. (laughs) 100%. Okay. Let us adjudicate this episode. There he goes. Okay, yeah, yeah. There we go. There you go. Kind of. And we begin, as we always do, with wormholes in the plot. Mike, did you have any wormholes in said plot? Uh, we talked about it before. I guess the <clears throat> the quark of it all, uh, and his sort of carte blanche around the cyst. But but Keith, you did a you did yeoman's work in uh, dispelling me of that wormhole. Uh, I guess there's nothing that stuck out. To be honest with you, did you catch anything? Uh, not really. My only question would be why did Worf cross the picket line? Yeah, that uh, we talked about that a bit too. Yeah, that's important. Maybe not important, although- but interesting. Although to be fair, it's also because because they he went through the upper entrance, which did not have a picket line in front of it, and Worf probably didn't pay any attention to the Ferengi nonsense happening. Yes. So he might not have even known that he was doing it. Which then I guess you would then infer if that's the case that O'Brien instigated the Yeah, it would front. It, o- O'Brien could have con in like what the hell are you doing? Are you a monster? What are you talking about? I'm not a monster. Worf is Blah, salty. You know. Yeah, Worf is salty right now. So, so and he, exactly, and so Worf is salty. So, like, I think that's it's possible. I don't think that's what the writers intended. Yeah, but I do think that that is a possible. Because you would assume, as a Klingon, that. they're so hell bent on honor and such that you would absolutely abide by the strike. Right. Yeah. If you felt no, it you was would, just. Right. You would think, um, but also I think there's just a. Like, I don't care about your Ferengi nonsense. I'm not paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. Is also possible. All right, let's talk about best moment. Man. Um, I have to say, there's some good moments. And I think the backroom discussion between Quark and Rom is really good. But in this episode, you know, sometimes they just nail the denouement for me. And I think that the, the finale here is really strong because... It totally makes sense. It's totally a great lead uh, for Rom's character. It totally makes sequential sense, but also I didn't see it coming, right? I thought that we were gonna mm. allow like his win of the strike and his altruism in getting the, the money for everybody else and fighting to the last second to get it for everybody else was going to be, I thought he was gonna be celebrated sort of as a hero, was gonna be his reward for the episode mm-hmm. but they 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 outsmarted me and they made it better because they his reward was personal growth and i think that is just such a awesome story arc 
storytelling uh, that I, I have to commend it with my best moment. Well, and it's it's paying off track we have laid for seasons, right? As we obviously the you know the sort of unhealthy relationship, or not unhealthy relationship, but the, but the crappy way that Quark has treated him this whole time, but also laying the track that dude's an engineer. Mm-hmm. He should be engineering, right? And and that he's not a waiter. He shouldn't be a waiter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's, an, he's a technical genius. Let him work. And and I think that that's it's just paying off that. I mean, for you know, for me, the best the best scene is again, it's it's the brother dynamic. It's their uh, you know Rom's line about you know you you try to make me feel stupid to make yourself feel important. But, you know, you're not as smart as you think, and I'm not as dumb as you think. I think any older little brother dynamic has probably had that conversation at least once or twice. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that they played it so straight and, you know, as as ridiculous as the characterizations are a lot of the times, they sort of dropped all that and had a real serious moment with each other that felt true to the characters they had written as these Ferengi brothers, but also, like, Wow, that's some that's some real stuff between siblings that I think pretty much anybody with a sibling can understand. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. What also, do you say I we mean, hand out? I'll talk oh, about yeah. it. I'll, no, I'll talk about it in symbols. Speaking of, yeah. Um, also, we started talking about it. I think the best thing this episode does for me is it seems like Rom had always been in service of Nog's ascent. Like, his character mm-hmm. was was a catalyst for the growth, the, to, our, to show the juxtaposition of the lot some Ferengis would accept in their lives as mm. sort of middle class or lower middle class versus some one of them saying no i want more which i think is a great way to show i want more is by showing what the alternative option is right and even a quote-unquote successful ferengi which we would think quark is on in pursuit of and on the path to is never happy with their lot right so why would i even Mm. want that right if i don't have once i have the bar now i want the moon base once i have the moon base then i want the ship you know the whatever it is right right so there's something beautiful in that storytelling because once again as alien as it is it's also very human and very much a story that we all it's the story of capitalism right and and whether it's the the sole pursuit or not so that's cool and here we get to see this is one of those episodes where i i really started and i was not a huge fan i i like it but i just thought it was a a nothing burger but now discussing it and the analyze the analyzing has 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 definitely raised my score. So the thing, the ROM of it all is, is excellent. In fact, you know, I used to say Nog was my favorite character, but I'm growing some real love for, for ROM because as a little brother, I recognize the importance for that. Well, you too, buddy. I recognize yeah. the importance for that growth and for that finding of your, you know, like your parents to a degree. I think in my life, at least, I saw the flaws in my parents as humans earlier than I saw the flaws in my siblings as mm. as, as a sibling. I, I looked up to my brother as like Interesting. for so much longer. And while that's beautiful in a lot of ways, and I, I stand by a lot of it, also it doesn't offer them the grace to fail 
and to be flawed as early as probably deserved. And uh, so I don't want to put... What's great about Shimmerman's performance, too, I should say, is that even though Rom is clearly moving up the personal growth scale at a faster rate, it's, it's in his performance, it's so subtle that Quark is agonizing over all of this. It's not, he's not just yeah. like evil Ferengi or, you know, like greedy Ferengi. He's clearly struggling with it. And we've seen that in the various different episodes. The other thing I like about this episode is that it's, it almost bait and switches to the fact where you think it's going to be a comedic take on unionizing with Ferengis. I mean, it's set up right for a cartoon right there, right? Like Ferengis right. have a union. That's like, oh, that's that's a comic book, right? right? But they decide to to subvert expectation once again. They go a different way. And I think that it's really well handled. And it's also committed to. I mean, it's the story. It's the A story all the way through. It's clearly yeah. set as a B story. And then you're like, oh no, they're gonna commit to this. And they do. Uh, and there's some great tidbits of character growth uh, with Lita, right? Like there's some stuff bubbling with, like his Rom's taking charge is clearly has some attracting vibes to it. Yeah. I guess my letdown here is a little bit on the wharf side. Whereas this story, even though it does, there are some repeated beats with the brothers and with the growth. I mean, that's how relationships are, right? It's back and forth, back and forth. So that doesn't bother me. Whereas the wharf thing is starting to get a long in the tooth. Wharf, I love wharf. Cool Adjusting character. to the station. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like let's, we gotta get, let's move. Like we gotta get, like the, the wharf is disgruntled a little bit. And so he wants to move to the Defiant as his whole storyline is kind of sucks a little bit. It uh, doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, I don't disagree. Yeah, there's clearly some vibes with him and Dax, and we get to re-see that. But we've seen it already, so like, there's no. It's very static. So I don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, even a scene of Ben being like, "Yo, you got to get the over it," would have been great or something. But mm -hmm. whatever. So, it, it, I mean, it's almost bottle episode-y. Nothing happens in the greater thing yeah. and you know I think it is literally a bottle episode we, we never leave the station so i mean overall i think i was feeling i had written down in my notes over here before uh we started today that i was going to give it a 70 um which i feel is good i mean let's let's not by any stretch we've said season four is banging so like 70 is still a great score even though it feels low for where we really ride but i think we've given it some more stars and i'm going to go 76 self-sealing stem bolts Okay. Yeah. I mean, hold on. Uh, yeah. So I, I think, I think I like the episode a little bit more than you, mainly because the, the wharf of it all, it's such a little nothing mm -hmm. that I sort of select all delete. Like I, I agree with you. It is a repeated beat. I, I agree with you. Like wharf, just figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're uh, great. I want you in the show. Like let's put him in the show now. Just like you, like I get. I, I mean, and I like that he had a hard time adjusting but now like tell a new story or like yeah. have him yeah. have a hard time adjusting in a different way because i think it's the third time he has gone to odo and said the security isn't good mm -hmm. right it's like we've, we've we've done that you know right we've I mean, we've, this guy's a guy's that. been a, who's adjusted to his whole family being disowned he's like he's adjusted to work he was raised on earth as a Klingon. Yeah. like this there's a lot he's been a fish out of water his entire existence yeah so uh, I just and he's being underutilized. Like make it, he's a cool character. Like make, make him do cool stuff. That, that's he's awesome. got some. He had a good funny beat, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but I think for me, 
the progression of Rom and the progression of of Quark's relationship, I think, is important. I, I think, you know, I I, I think the um, the union stuff. While I am so there, so on board um, conceptually, you know, like politically, ideal wise, I think that I mean, yes, God, yes, all of those things. However, I I thought that at the beginning it was a little bit cartoonish like i said like the the sort of like union whatever and 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 the the what quark was doing was sort of like mustache twirly like over the top and and just sort of like a little bit silly um that i think there could have been a less pastel or or less you know paint by numbers version of why we need to form a union Mm -hmm. um but I love the idea. I think I think in a lot of ways it is redeemed by the seriousness of the ending. It begins so silly, but it finishes seriously and finishes with real stakes. And um, I liked that. I think I personally would have taken it a little bit more seriously the whole time mm-hmm. because all of the, the background Ferengis doing very silly Ferenginess ever the rah-rah of it was like a little bit like are we like eight what's happening here um but the brother relationship is very important to the show very important for me it's a huge step forward for rob mm-hmm. gigantic step forward he, he's he's gotten himself out of quarks and and i think that's the change you know and 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 we're seeing if you want to like talk about like the the bigger picture here, what is the purpose of the Federation? It is to foster an environment where people get to be the best versions of themselves. And you know, once you take out take money out of the equation, which is what the Federation has done, the whole utopian ideal of not being a capitalistic society, so that money is not your driving force. Being the best version of yourself is the driving force of the Federation, and we see that you know for better or worse. And it's a little bit of both. We see here Quark or, or Rom learning from that example. It's not about getting paid. It's about I'm an engineer. I love engineering. Let me help the world using the thing that I know how to do best, that I love doing, which is why he's delighted to be the backup team in the, in the middle of the night, whatever, whatever, because that's who he is. He's, he's adapting to who he is. Um, but I also think like what we learn, we continue to see here with Quark especially as it relates to his family, Quark is kind of Tevya, where his family are challenging tradition, right? Are challenging what it means to be a Ferengi and wanting to do more progressive things. And every single time, Quark is like, nope, that's too far. This is where I draw the line. And then his love of the person pushes him a little bit further out of his comfort zone a little bit and he doesn't have five daughters but he's got a mother he's got a brother he's got a nephew and every one of them pushes against those boundaries and he fights 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 and then he moves forward he is Tevya. that is a uniquely us analogy uniquely but well, but i think apt, i mean apt Fid- sure. fiddler's universal everyone gets fiddler um but I think that that is a. I think that's that's what he is, and I think it's very interesting. And you see the heartbreak of it, mm-hmm. because Quark believes in the tradition. He believes in the Ferengi society and the way that they approach things. But he also loves his family, and so there's that inherent battle, battle, battle going on there, which I think is really great. 
it's a mix of a very interesting character and an interesting situation. So, um, yeah, for me, like I, it's I think it's a good episode. I, I think I, weirdly, I think we we reversed each other. I talked mm-hmm. myself down a little bit, and you talked yourself up a little bit. Yeah, I think the, um, the other before you give the number, the other kind yeah. of reason this doesn't even hit hit the eighties is is though I agree where we end is so great. But even that felt a little shortcutted. Like the episode does not lead you in any sort of way of showing you Ram is learning that, oh, I I should be an engineer, right? Like there's that le- leap even felt a little out of nowhere. It makes sense for the arc, but the whole episode is about him being a leader and him being f- raging against the machine and learning that the Ferengi way isn't right. And, mm-hmm. and you think maybe even if they were like, oh, you know, he's joined uh customer service or he's joined uh, uh, people people services on the ship I'd be like okay that's where the episode was leading but for him to just kind of all of a sudden I quit and change career it did feel a little like they wanted it to be a jack in the box well they want it to be a surprise and I think if you'd only seen this episode it wouldn't make much sense if you had seen his arc over the last couple of years then it would then it does make sense it's it's sort of it's you're we're being rewarded for having paid attention moving yeah, that's you fair. know as as we go from there. So uh anyway, so for me it gets 81 self-sealing stem bolts. So uh viewers of the world unite and uh leave us your review or your your number of stem bolts here in the YouTube comments. Uh really appreciate everybody's uh conversation with us here. I've missed everybody. Yeah. Happy to have feel, everybody feel the uh, same. hop hop on board. And uh, you know, leave leave your stem bolts, leave your thoughts. Tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, chances are, if if you're uh, somebody like us, loving the deepest mind, somebody in your life does too. Mm-hmm. So uh, it really helps us find more folks. Uh, tell some folks, give us a listen. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, Mike, as, what else could they listen to? Well, they can listen to all kinds of shows we do. You know, Keith and I, as society's attention span has shrunk, and as content on the interwebs has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter to your TikToks, to your one second loops. Keith and I are keeping long form media alive with various very long podcasts. You can check out us talking about all kinds of toys, custom toys, Star Trek toys, things happening. That show is evolving. That's all the time. Strange new show, seasons one and two, all done for you. Wrapped up in a little bow. You wanna, mm-hmm. you're going on a road trip, you want two full seasons of this type show for Star Trek Strange New Show, it's there for you. Out of Practice, we alluded to it this episode, you've got eight seasons of Out of Practice podcast. What a treat that is. Actually, we've gotten some emails recently of people going on that journey. KM Geekly is a Monday sneak peek at just random stuff we're talking about. And of course, you're watching the Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine, and I'm watching every week in real time, streaming it for our patrons at patreon.com slash K&M. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for watching. All of our socials are below here. We will see you back here. Oh, wait, as I always forget, this episode was a 7.4 on the IMDb, which makes it 93 out of 173 episodes. Next week, we'll be talking about a session. So that is going to be Ascension? interesting. A session. A session. What does that even mean? To uh, ascend. Yeah. That's ascension. Hold on. Did I just write the wrong thing down? It's it's possible. I just misspelled it on the. Uh... It's like succession, but like a session. We're like we're uh, we're gonna be word. the next guy to move forward. No. That's no, not... it is a session. Yes, it is a session. Hold on. Let's let's we'll look Google it. Up. it. Yeah. 
the attainment or acquisition of position or oh to yes like the the, the king the queen accedes to the throne I thought that was ascension are they synonyms uh ascension with tio or am i just oh that that is ascension i'm i'm just, just not pronouncing the t oh ascension Oh, that makes perfect sense. Okay, all right. Well, there it is. Right. Hey. This was a fascinating conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're never going to cut that. <laughs> Next week, we will uh, ascend to the ascension of a, a, a spy. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. <laughs> if you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KNL. Should there be a T? There should be a T. There's no T in that? No!